Welcome to Prairie Dock On Call, made possible by the generous support of Larson Manufacturing and many other corporations and individuals. Their gifts to the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3, provide 100% of the funding for all Prairie Dock programs. Please follow the Prairie Dock on Facebook and YouTube, and go to prairiedock.org for more information on making a charitable gift. Whatever type of loss you've suffered, there's no right or wrong way to grieve. But by understanding the stages and types of grief, you can find healthier ways to cope. Coping with grief and loss, the importance of taking time to heal. Tonight, On Call with the Prairie Duck. Health information based on science, built on trust. Hello and welcome to On Call with the Prairie Doc. I'm Dr. Andrew Ellsworth, tonight's Prairie Doc host. Thank you for joining us as we continue our 21st season providing health information based on science, built on trust. Tonight's topic is coping with grief and loss and the importance of taking time to heal. Joining us tonight on the campus of South Dakota State University are Pastor Stephen Palo from Ascension Lutheran Church in Brookings, South Dakota, and Donna Buman from Brookings Health System. Pastor Steve, Donna, thank you so much for joining us tonight. My pleasure. Donna, if you could start out and just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Sure. Uh, I'm the hospice social worker for Brookings Health System. And I've been there for about three years, so um, it's something I absolutely enjoy. It's truly my passion. And what were you doing before that then? <laughs> Funny you should ask. I actually owned a bait shop in a motel. Uh, wow. In, right? Um, before that would make more sense. I was a mental health counselor here in Brookings. I did okay. community home-based mental health. So, yep. And then I took a little mental health break myself and um, tried something different and I just needed to get back into the field. And you do some of the grief classes. I do. Yep. We offer groups. them twice a year. Yes. Okay. And so are those open to anyone? Are there a certain type right. of grief or what? No, no, ours are open to anyone and it doesn't matter if you've been through our hospice program or not. Uh, we have folks come from several miles away even. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining and thank you both so much. This is a difficult topic mm -hmm. and, and it's one that you know, sometimes, uh, well, I, I know it was a little hard for me to get guests to come because no one feels like an expert, right? Is there any right or wrong answer for grief? No. Um, Nobody's an expert. Right. And everybody's an expert. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's right. the problem. Um, and so I appreciate you stepping up and 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 uh, and 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 being here tonight to, to talk about this and 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 to 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 help everyone at home with their grief. Pastor, if you could uh, tell us a little bit about yourself as well. Please. Well, I am a pastor, as you said, at Ascension Lutheran Church. I'm a part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. And in my own personal, you know, kind of uh, profession, I've always been attracted to this guy who said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And that little phrase of the Beatitudes uh, by a certain guy uh, out there has always fascinated me. And so I've trained quite a few years with uh, Dr. Alan Wolfelt at the Center for Loss and Life Transition and, uh, and uh, how we can walk with people to mourn their loss. And so 
I got into it simply this whole grief thing because as a pastor, every single day somebody walks in and there's a grief of one kind or another. And many times it's the loss of loved ones. And so I just wanted to learn how can I comfort people the most in the morning. So that's how I kind of started doing grief groups myself uh, at my churches. And uh, we, I'll answer the question you asked. It's open to everybody that grief groups at Ascension. And you don't have to be a Lutheran. You don't have to be religious. You just can you know, come and mourn your loss. And so uh, I have two different kinds. One is for suicide grief group, um, suicide uh, grief specifically. And the other one is just a, a regular grief group. And so I've been taught by, um, by Dr. Alan Wolfelt that it's sometimes best with the trauma of suicide to be able to give a, a sacred community for them uh, in that moment, so. Yeah, excellent. You know, we were talking at one point about this and, and you shared how, you know, as a, in your training as a pastor, you didn't really get a lot of grief. No, we, we got listening skills, which are wonderful, but the grief stuff is not quite there. You know, they're trying to cram Greek in you, uh, Hebrew, all kinds of theology, but the actual nature of comforting or being able to understand what is, how do you deal when somebody is completely broken in front of you? Because yeah. like, like I, I always go back to, bereavement means mm -hmm. to be broken. Mm -hmm. And so um, that is a hard um, reality to come across. And so as the years went ticked by as a pastor, I realized I needed to learn something. And so that's why I reached out to to the Center for Loss and Life Transition. And they've been great mentors, you know. And so in my own training, uh, you know, maybe theology doesn't always prepare you for the people crying right in front of you. But um, nonetheless, you know, I have learned uh, anyways how to help comfort, you know. So. You, you know, in a similar manner, I'm not sure medical school does a great job of training doctors <laughs> yeah, yeah. to help with grief. I mean, certainly, we do some with end of life care, mm -hmm. and and it, some of that is some. There's some overlap, but uh, there's a lot to learn on the job, and and just learning yeah. to listen and to be there for someone. Right. So, yeah. Um, what is grief, and what are the stages stages of grief? Uh, so yes, we have the stages of grief, grief, but. I think that portrays that there's going to be a sense of accomplishment when you reach one stage yes. and move on to the next. And I think of the stages more as um, a cat chasing a laser light. <laughs> you are going to be all image. over the place. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's a lot more what yeah. grief looks like, yeah. uh, going between the different emotions. Um, absolutely. Yeah. There's not a, it's not a timeline, is it? And there a person is not. can skip and move around and there's not an end and there's right. not a start sometimes, yeah. right. clear start. I mean, right. you know, grief can start before your loved one has passed away. Absolutely. Yeah. That's very common, especially... Anticipatory you, grief. Yes. 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 Yep. Tell me about that. Anticipatory well, I went grief. through anticipatory grief with my mother. I mean, one year ago, uh, she died. And so for many years, for like seven years as she went through dementia, I was anticipating one loss after the next. And so, you know, the big loss was the day I walked into her room and she didn't know who I was. Yeah. And then you realize, oh, it's gonna be soon. 
here, here it's going to go. And a lot of different griefs, griefs have, are, are according to the disease that is happening. So dementia or Alzheimer's, the grief that, that I'm experiencing is different. And I want to uh, swing back to this mouse. I love the mouse <laughs> chasing around. But you know, grief is it's like an experience of being dropped in a vast ocean and being lost and trying to tread. Or, or as Dr. Alan Wolfelt uh, explains, it's like being lost in a wilderness. And how do you find your way around? Mm -hmm. And that's the hard part of it because no wilderness, no ocean is the same with grief. Mm -hmm. And so the idea of the stages, it's really hard because really it's all mixed up at once. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I always think of when I'm with somebody, I always think of the uniqueness of that person, and I try to honor that, the uniqueness of that relationship, right. you know, Donna? Absolutely. And, and I don't have that. So I am not an expert of grief at all, but rather the person who I'm helping mourn that loss, they're the expert. Mm -hmm. And so I have this kind of, you know, teach me kind of attitude. You teach me about where you're at in this grief. And, uh, and I find that that's very helpful. That's what I've learned of how to care for them. So. But there's going to be some parts, you know, different, I don't, we don't want to call them stages, but there's going right. to be some denial, and there's right. going to be some anger, and yeah. there's going to be some the bargaining. depression and, and, and bargaining and acceptance, maybe, yeah. to some degree, yeah. you right. know. Absolutely. How would you comment on that, or is it, is it helpful? To, to think of these stages or different ways of grieving or, or not? Um, yeah, to some extent. You know, if people can look at it rather, um, instead of the stages uh, as they've been alluded to, um, more so just a word to describe what they're experiencing. You know, a lot of times they'll talk about, you know, maybe their loved one's been gone three, four months and they still they pick up the phone because they got news and mm -hmm. you're gonna call your mom yeah. and you can't. Yeah. Yeah. So to have a word to put with that, that helps a lot. So yes, they definitely have a place in the world of grief. Um, you know, you mentioned three years later, call, you sure. know, you know and, and, like, and there's no timeline with this. Absolutely not. It will take as long as it's going to take. Sometimes a person can can be grieving and it's it's keeping them from doing things and others around them want to help them move on for lack of a better mm -hmm. word mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what can but there's probably some helpful ways to do that and some not helpful ways to do that how can others around someone that's grieving be helpful do you feel sure it's going to vary um, for each individual who's mourning. You know, you talk about the person who is maybe isolating and not going out so much. Uh, that might be okay for them. Whereas another person who used to be very social and when they're isolating too much, that can be a warning sign that there might be something else going on. So it is really unique. Um, I encourage people um, say yes sometimes and say no. It's okay to say no yeah. sometimes. But you can't say yes or no all of the time. Sure. Yeah. Sure. What, what would you say to that? Well, what's helpful is, um, you know, when somebody is mourning, 
or they're grieving. Is there I, a difference? More the, well, grieving. yeah, the, uh, you know, Dr. Allen does teach there's a difference. Mm -hmm. Grief is all the internal stuff that happens. It's a natural thing that happens when you're torn apart. So you're gonna feel, uh, your body is gonna feel depressed, your emotions are gonna be depressed. Your thoughts will actually slow down. And it's kind of a depression that, that mm -hmm. you enter into. And it's a, the depression of grief. And so uh, that's a natural part of, of what's going on in the people. Um, the most helpful thing is for somebody to just sit with them Mm -hmm. and to follow them mm -hmm. yeah. and to take that teach me attitude um, because the reason why we get messages like oh just stay busy mm -hmm. you've heard that right mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. you know um, just uh, keep moving or uh, put your mind off they they really can't no. because that's the one thing they're dealing with plus the nature of the death really uh, brings up the issues of what needs are happening within that person. For instance, suicide grief, the question of why, you know, mm -hmm. Donna, we talked about right. why comes up all over, uh, you know, and, and we cannot rush to that question why, because sometimes we want to take it so rationally and say, well, we know why, mm -hmm. but usually with the why question, there's a love question there. Mm. And so the reason why I don't like putting a time frame on grief is because it is a mystery. It is inter, it's intertwined and dances with the loves of our lives. We have a, a graphic we want to put up, a yeah. good saying that I yeah. love that you brought up the love. The, you yeah. know, and, yeah. that, and that's what it comes down to. You, your grief is gonna be greater when, when when you lost someone you, that you loved. The love, yeah. Right. And that We're loved you. About a love story. Right. You yes. know, and so we've got here, when we lose someone we love, we must learn not to live without them, but to live with the love they left behind. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. I haven't that's, actually. That's, no. that's a great one. I absolutely love it. You know? Yes. Yeah. Just, you know, knowing that their love did not die. No, right. no. You know, their their love is still with us and in you, and you can still share that and yeah. and see that all around. And one of the examples of their love is the grief that you are feeling. Absolutely. You yes. know? Yeah. And yeah. so so that's what I find. Um, you know, going into grief work is also going into love work, and it's a yeah. sacred time to be with them. I mean, people are so wounded. And uh, I want to come back to the, is there a difference between grief and mourning? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Grief is all that internal stuff. Okay. Mourning is the public mm. expression of the grief. Okay. Now, we are really good at grieving. And mm -hmm. I would say it's natural, but mm -hmm. we are not good at mourning. And so one of the issues is that how do we create sacred places right. uh, for people to actually express it verbally through art, through um, through uh, journaling, how do people express those lo that loss and the bereavement? Yeah. And so, counselors, um, grief groups, uh, you know, a pastor, mm -hmm. a, a trusted friend can be very helpful with us mourning the loss of this internal thing. But let me say this. Just don't go to anybody. Mm -hmm. you, you know what I mean? You have to go to somebody who you truly trust, who doesn't judge you because you will say things 
uh, and you will seem a little bit crazy because grief does, you, you've seen it, right, Donna? Absolutely. You know? uh, so many people who go through my grief classes talk about how they think they're going crazy. They mm -hmm. worry, they've honestly taken tests thinking that they have dementia. They do online tests, they're like, I think I'm yep. losing my I've mind. I've had that too, yeah. I've had yes. that too. Yeah. yeah, so grief, it really does, it makes you think you're going crazy. Right, yeah. We, um, I, we're going to go to our first role, and that fits with what we're talking about here. Is you know going to having some of one, some of these support groups here. So, when grief strikes, it can be difficult to share emotions and speak about it with others. Prairie Doc reporter Sam Showers spoke to our guest, Pastor Steve Palo, about grief support groups and their interactions. Pastor Steve Palo is a facilitator for the two grief support groups at Ascension Lutheran Church in Brookings. One of them, the grief group, uh, is for, it's just a general grief group in which people have lost, uh, you know, husbands, wives, um, you know, even bereaved uh, parents will come in and be a part of it. The second grief group we have is the suicide grief group to help people to mourn the loss of loved ones who have died by suicide. And as you know, with suicide, there's a certain uh, traumatic nature of it, as well as stigmatization of uh, death by suicide. Palo says the support groups are for grieving individuals who are asking questions of why. The grief groups are there to, to get at what is the meaning of this loss? And that is a hard thing. You know, people will always say, well, why did this happen? Why would God allow this to happen? And to go through the why questions into how do we live is so important. And these support groups do that. He says these individuals are torn apart. You're torn apart emotionally, physically, because many times people who are grief-stricken will be, uh, not be able to eat, they'll lose weight or they'll gain weight. Um, people will be torn apart socially because people will struggle with how do they you know, interact with this person. They will be torn apart um, spiritually even. And so, so the actual grief uh, world is a world of being torn apart, or as we say, bereaved. Halo says he models his facilitator role in groups around Dr. Alan Wolfelt, who he has trained with for years. We use his uh, book, Understanding Your Grief, for the grief group and Understanding Your Suicide Grief for the suicide grief group. Halo strives to help and educate people with grief on how to handle it, as growing up in the Midwest, he didn't have that education and support. And then when I lost my dad in 93, almost 30 years ago, it was like, who do I go to to mourn this loss? And uh, you know, my dad was a pastor, and, uh, and yet I didn't have that community. And one of the biggest lessons he teaches is the person they love has left their body, but they're with them in mind and spirit forever. I never ask people to say goodbye to their loved ones anymore. I used to, but now I just say, it's time on this path of grief and mourning to learn how to say hello to them every day um, until the last breath of your life. So, um, 
you know, this show is, is, is going to be shown here right after the holidays. Yeah. And, and that can be a tough time mm -hmm. for people. You know, anniversaries, birthdays, Christmas time, anniversaries of the death. Um, how, how, does, how does one prepare for that? Or how, what do you recommend when those periods are coming up? Sure. So uh, one popular thing is called the three C's. You know, when you're trying to decide how you're going to get through the holidays, um, you're going to choose what you're actually going to do. Because uh, just because you've always done something doesn't mean you need to continue to do it. So if there is something that you just absolutely don't want to do, that's okay. But then you next need to communicate with your loved ones and let them know that, you know, I'm just not comfortable doing this this year. Um, and then compromise, because your family still wants you to be around. So instead of staying for the whole day of Christmas, you know, maybe pick out bits and pieces, come for the meal, share stories about your loved one, and then when it's time to open gifts, it's okay to check out. That's some good advice. So choose, communicate, and compromise. And compromise. Absolutely. You don't have to do it all. Yeah. You just mentioned how you're coming up or just past the anniversary of your mother's, oh, mother's yeah. death. Yeah. I'm sorry to bring that up. But, no, no, but no, no, no. It, that's and that's, that, that's the other thing. You know, should people. Well, get to that question. Please too. do, yes. Do you? I, well, I, uh, you know, w I trust you, Andrew. Yeah. And, and yeah. so I think it, it's all based on trust. You know, yeah. addressing these issues, it's based on that vulnerable trust. So, you know, vulnerable trust is, is a thing that we build, especially in, in the grief groups. And it takes a while w within mm. those groups to do that. But within family systems and stuff like that, I would look for those who you can trust with tears and mm -hmm. weakness mm -hmm. and that vulnerability. That's the word. You know, and the vulnerability, because usually, uh, you know, people are walking around as though, when they're grieving, as though they have a scab, a very thin scab. And it can be pulled off easily. And so, you need to be around those people who can deal with that tenderness within your life. And I would even say that it's, it's very helpful to take a break from the family if, yeah. if the family system is not able to deal with the vulnerability and mm -hmm. even look to friends who, who might shine in that way mm -hmm. or some other way and spend, you know, during the holidays. I could say, you said it brilliantly, Donna, you know, how to deal with, you know, those holidays. But with my time and with those anniversaries of the death, you really have to think them through. Right. You, and I always say you have to ritualize them. I, you know, for every grief group I do, I light a candle and, and I say, in the midst of the darkness of our grief, there's hope. And so, you know, at home, and uh, I took a candle and I just, I lit it for mom on November 28th uh, when she passed, just to remember that it's between us. Now my, my grief, here, here's the difference, my grief with my mother is different. I had relief grief when she died. Sure. So yeah. I, I cried when she died that, that night, but it was such a relief to let go. And some people might feel, oh, 
-hmm. I should be feel guilty. Mm -hmm. You know yeah. what I mean, mm -hmm. Donna? Mm -hmm. yeah. Because I feel relief. Mm -hmm. But it's actually a part of that love, and I feel her even closer now uh, to me than before. So I think it's the, once again, it's the uniqueness of the person, the uniqueness of the death, the uniqueness of uh, the individual who died as well addressing them and so uh, with regard to that I, I yeah. hope that helps yeah I, I think so yeah. you know and going back to a question a little while ago too where you know for someone if they're not sure what to say or what to mm -hmm. do right Just you know do you, do you bring it up or not bring it up mm -hmm. or, and do you how can you be there for them and and I'm gathering so far I you would say don't tell them what they need to do because that's not going to be no, helpful. Because no. you don't know what they need to do. Right. Yeah. But be there for them. Mm -hmm. Create a space mm -hmm. where they can open up if they want to. Right. Yep. What, what else would you say to that or recommend with that? I highly encourage people to say the loved one's name. Mm. You know, so many people tell me that they don't have anyone they can talk about their dearly departed to because they say that name and all of a sudden, People are mm. quiet, and mm. it is so hard. They don't feel like it's safe to talk about their loved one, and they need to. Yeah. So you bring it up. Let mm. them know it. it is safe, and it's okay to talk about your loved one. Yeah. Um, too many people are afraid you're going to cry. They're like, oh, I can't say his name. I'm going to make her cry. Well, she's crying anyway. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. go ahead and say his name. Yeah. Give her permission to talk about him. Yeah. yeah. You know, I've, I've had patients that lost loved ones and, and I found that to be true. I mm -hmm. think they're relieved when I ask them mm -hmm. how they're doing or I talk or bring up or I think of something about their loved one that's a, you know, right. a fun memory. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. That's, yeah. that's a wonderful way. Looking at pictures too mm -hmm. and you know and saying tell me something about you know about this picture and what does that mean because mm -hmm. one of the needs of mourning is to remember the person who's lost. And so, uh, in that vast wilderness, they want to remember. Matter of fact, their minds are remembering over and over again, right, Don? Absolutely. And so, to invite them into remembering, that is actually a part of the reconciliation of this grief into their lives, where, where over time, not given a timeline, mm -hmm. but over time, they learn how to live with the grief. Mm -hmm. right. And they learn how to live with the love as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so instinctually when we do funerals, what do we do? We go back to the pictures and we make the picture boards and mm -hmm. we look at those pictures and we remember. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so people naturally do what's healthy. Mm -hmm. And right. so I think mentioning the name mm -hmm. is very helpful and people will cry. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. It is mm -hmm. perfectly fine to cry. Mm -hmm. It's so helpful for right. us to cry. Right. Well, look at so. the healing qualities of our tears. Yeah. You know, oh. They've done studies, and tears we cry due to emotion, they have a different makeup than tears we cry because we're cutting an onion. <laughs> so when we are crying because we're sad, we are releasing toxins from our body. Yeah. So many people talk about having a good cry. Well, that's what it is. When we cry, we are flushing our body of the bad toxins and we're actually releasing good endorphins. Yeah. Crying is healthy. Get rid of the cortisol. That's yes. what we're, we're doing. Right. Now, now, crying fits with that mourning, that outward yes. Yes. expression. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, back in the day, I think there were all these things set up for mourning. 
these mm -hmm. outward expressions right. that were they're going to be 40 days of more or whatever right. or wear a black armband yeah. or whatever yes. yeah. or yep. only wear black or you know mm -hmm. in different societies and, and it's like we hide it now right we do hide it and yeah. so it's we grieve naturally Mm -hmm. but we don't mourn naturally. Okay. So we have to be very intentional. Um, uh, Dr. Alan Wolfelt, I was watching one of his videos and he did point out, look at how many new homes are built without porches. Mm -hmm. So we're mm -hmm. isolated even yeah. more. And, mm -hmm. and I'm even guilty of it. We, we have a wonderful fence in the back so nobody can see right. what's happening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so it's also about the nature of the community as right. well how do we as a community and that's why I started grief groups because I wanted to create a community in which we could cry simply mm -hmm. cry mm -hmm. so I grew up in a funeral home oh. my dad was a funeral director his dad was a funeral director mm -hmm. and um, that doesn't make me an expert in this by right. any means. Sure. Yeah. And but uh, I, I did see and 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 start to appreciate from helping on funerals and mm -hmm. such how this progression of the 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 visitation and and sometimes seeing the person mm -hmm. and having a funeral and then having a lunch and telling story in the graveside and then having a lunch yeah. and telling stories. Listen to right. all that. Remember, remember, right. remember. Go backwards. Go yeah. Seem to help. Yeah. With the, the importance process. of rituals, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but maybe we're losing some of that nowadays, too. Yeah. I, I am surprised how many of our hospice folks decide they don't want to have a funeral. Yeah. It, which is completely their choice, absolutely. Right. But right. at the same time, sometimes their loved ones struggle. They don't get that final goodbye. And that can be hard. You know, you can understand how, well, I, I, you don't need to have a funeral. I'm not right. going to be there. I'm not anything special. But it's not for you. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It, exactly. It's for your loved ones. Mm -hmm. um, and that gives them this space where they can mourn yes. and share. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I would even recommend a, a couple funerals. I mean, I, I realize, you know, um, it, it might be a little expensive, but at least two ceremonies or to see how uh, a year after you can have a ceremony right. and bring people or have a picnic yeah. mm -hmm. and bring yeah. people together to do that because the, the grief does not last, I mean, stop yeah. after yeah. a year. It, it keeps yeah. going on till we pass on and our yeah. love goes on into the next. And so I, I think the, the funeral homes are so important for helping us to mourn. It has become a trend for direct burial now. Mm -hmm. And so the, the issue that, that happens is that mourning process is short-circuited for the people who are living. Yeah. And so I think it's really important. Um, I've even told my own family that I want to be cremated, but before you, you cremate me, I want you to see me dead. Mm -hmm. And so to, to see that I no longer am breathing, I will no longer eat, I will no longer be with you, and to get in touch with that aspect of death. But I think so. it also helps someone to, to find that, oh, that's not them right. there yeah. anymore. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, they're, they're, they died, that's their body, but mm -hmm. that's yeah. not them. Right. You know, and, 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 and then you start to feel them and experience them and remember them in other ways and other yeah. things, right. you know, they, yeah. 
I don't know, it's one thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems mm -hmm. like the body has changed. But yeah. what I also find fascinating, Andrew, is that the bereaved crave the smell of their loved one. Mm -hmm. Mm. And they will mm -hmm. hold on to items mm -hmm. as well, clothing mm -hmm. items, their clothes, yeah. their clothes and, and they will they'll smell it. Mm -hmm. And so there's this almost like a paradox that well, smell can is such body. a strong thing that brings on memory, right. memory, yeah, exactly, and so, yeah. And so it's very helpful for them to to continue that smell in some way or not mm -hmm. uh, other. So, well, one of the worst experiences in life is the loss of an infant child. But processing the loss alone can only heighten the pain. Prairie Doc reporter Sam Schauer spoke to Dr. Mark Vandebrock about infant loss support groups. Dr. Mark Vandebrock is a psychologist and thanatologist with Avera Health in Sioux Falls. Dr. Vandebrock conducts the support groups through one-on-ones or in a group setting with similar experiences. He says no one wants to be in this group but shared experiences are important. On an average, there's one million miscarriages every year in the United States. And that's roughly from zero to 20 weeks. And then there's about 25,900 stillbirths every year in the United States. So it impacts a lot of people. The support groups are welcoming and talk through tough topics after an infant loss. We address expectations. Uh, each topic is talked about like holidays. What do you do for holidays? What do you do for the expected birthday? How do you plan ahead? How do you structure the time? How do you take some control over those emotions? They also discuss responses to the loss. Well, our society says suck it up and get over it. Go have another baby. You know how many times I've heard people say that? It's really cruel, but people say it. For, fortunately, you're young enough to have another child. And it's a, really a, a club you don't want to be in. The groups exist for comfort, understanding that families with infant loss are not alone, and provide ways on how to move forward. Mothers say that I feel like I'm the only one or I did something wrong. I had a can of Coke and I know that what's killed my baby or I had a cigarette and that, that's what killed my baby. And it's not. But we try to make sense out of something that doesn't make sense. For ways to move forward, Dr. Vandybrock says contacting support groups and churches is very beneficial and is an important first step to the healing process. It's hard for families to reach out because it's, it's unintentional, but we, they tend to grieve alone. And they don't they feel like I'm the only one that has lost a baby, but it's so not true. So I, I can't imagine losing a, a child. Um, and uh, you know, one another question with, with children is is how what do you recommend when you to talk to children and help with them through grief? Sure. I recommend being direct. 
you know, um, to say someone went to sleep, that can be alarming for a child because yeah. they're afraid to go to sleep. They die. Yeah. Um, yeah. So use the words. Um, children handle grief a lot better than most people are willing to give them credit to be able to handle. So. I think uh, I remember my dad teaching me too how important it can be to, like he said, use the words and and be you know just tell the truth, mm -hmm. and and to bring them to the funeral, right? Because otherwise, sometimes they're just trying to fill in the gaps with their mm -hmm. imagination, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. and um, so that can be helpful to just just show them and bring right. them and and tell them the truth, yeah. right? Absolutely. And, and sometimes the. Children will communicate non-verbally to you mm. with headaches, with uh, mm. sleeplessness. They may even uh, go back in their developmental regress. Yeah. regress. And so to pay attention to that. And then also the bereaved parents. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. the, the parents, they've lost, they have had all these hopes and dreams for this child. You know, and with the parents, they go through just like um, most people who grieve, they go through a ripple effect of losses. And so to pay attention to what's happening with the bereaved parents as well is important. And, and that's a really complicated situation because I've, I've seen parents uh, bereave or mourn in a different way uh, as, you know, if they lost an infant or as mm -hmm. opposed to an 18-year-old who mm -hmm. they were just launching yeah. and they were getting off to college and suddenly they're gone. Right. And so paying attention to that is very, very important uh, for helping them to mourn the loss. And listen, once again, you teach me, you, mm -hmm. you know. Okay. Grief can come with such loneliness. You know, here we're talking one of the most universal human experiences mm -hmm. that almost pretty much anyone, everyone goes through mm -hmm. at some point, yet we hide it. And, and people can feel so alone with grief. How, well, how would you speak to them or, or recommend for people feeling right. loneliness with right. their grief? Uh, one of the things that I have really found, um, people talk about their address book changes. Uh, the people, oh. yeah, oh. the people they kind of expected would be their support system. Yep. Hmm. They have shied away and it's where, you know, maybe someone they weren't terribly close to before has stepped in. Hey. So for your loneliness, I encourage you, be open to new experiences. Um, maybe have coffee with that person that uh, you haven't been terribly close with, but just know there are other people out there and it is so unfortunate that uh, your regular support system just, we have higher expectations for them than what we see sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And of course, they're probably afraid or not sure what to do or right. whatever. But it, so they just don't. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Hmm. Well, and, and you know, like I said, bereaved means torn apart, and that means your social life too. Mm -hmm. And so this tears at the very fabric of friends and family, of struggling, of of what what are they? What do I say? Right. What do I do? And so you had a very good point on break mm -hmm. about normalizing. Um, you know, grief in our culture. And I think that's the difficult part because we sweep it away mm -hmm. and we want to always be strong. Mm -hmm. I guess my advice would be it's time to be weak. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what, and it's okay to cry and be weak and uh, be able to accept support from others. Mm 
Hmm. Because the needs of mourning, that's one of the biggest one to allow somebody to support you, but to find that right person. I love, right. I, I love it <laughs> in the address book. Yeah. Right. You know, re, in the address book of the person who you truly can trust and who's non-judgmental will be there with mm -hmm. you at three in the morning. You mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. so. Donna. When does the depression of grief merge or become unhealthy, or, be, or it might be right. more something sure. more? Right. Um, something to really look forward look for is um, maybe not going out anymore. You know, that person who just is very isolated, says no to every invitation, mm -hmm. um, that's something to look for. And obviously grief has ups and downs. We have our good days, we have our bad, we might even have a good hour and a bad hour. It, it can go quickly, but for those folks who just never, you know, they go down and they don't find themselves going back up, mm -hmm. that's something to pay attention to because you should get some ups as well. So if you're down um, almost all the time or 80% of the time, that's a sign that, you know, it would be a good idea to go talk to someone. How can you get them help, do you think? Sure. You know, I mean, it's it's hard to get them to, if they're wanting to stay home all the right, time. Right, absolutely. Um, that is tough. Oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> right? Yeah, thanks. No. Um, you know, I used to try to, back when I was a mental health counselor, you know, sometimes instead of s sending that person to counseling, like if you can do something on your own and encourage uh, them to be a part of it where you're not fixing them, sure. but you're inviting them to be included, sometimes that's yeah. a way to open the door. Yeah. I think one of the ways in which we can help those folks is this program right now. I'm right. so thankful for you and for Donna and for everybody putting this on to be able to bring up the issue of grief and mourning and of bereavement, of loss. Mm -hmm. uh, and in many ways, if people see this, I would hope that they would see an imaginary little candle right here with the light mm -hmm. yeah. that in the midst of their grief, whether they've lost an infant or whether they've lost a, a husband, a wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, whether they've lost them to you know, suicide, that there is a hope and that we are talking about this in a public way. Mm -hmm. This helps to get at that loneliness. And so you know, part, of, part of us just raising our voices up and saying, it's okay to talk about this. So, well, you know, we've done this show for 21 seasons now and I don't think we've ever focused on grief. We've certainly wow. done end of life and mm -hmm. yeah. and some of that and hospice which is all very important too. But yeah, bringing it up and 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 and, and being comfortable and, and letting mm -hmm. people grieve and mm -hmm. and giving them that space. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, well thank and thank you both for coming coming here and, and sharing with with them. Um, you know, COVID has changed some of this the last couple oh, of years. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Has COVID affected the grieving process and allowing people to mourn and share differently than before? Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. More loneliness, a lot Absolutely. more loneliness. I don't know if yeah. you've experienced it, but I've seen very lonely people. And when I'm able to create that sacred space for the grief groups, it's like, oh, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not alone anymore. Right. And that's the beauty of these these groups. And so, mm -hmm. Well, yeah, and so many people are even afraid to leave their apartments. Mm -hmm. uh, that's made it very difficult it, it to 
rely on other people and yeah. do your grieving process, it, you shouldn't go through grief alone. Yeah, yeah but th we do have a thing called cell phones. Yeah. We do have things or called even landlines. Zooms. Landlines, landlines. Landline, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do have a landline at my house. Yeah. And, uh, and even an old landline. Mm -hmm. the, the thing is, is seek support yeah. mm -hmm. now and always. Yeah. And that's the big thing. But it's taking that first step. You know, uh, I was taught that when I had my first grief group, you know, the first session to go out, and go out into the parking lot. Mm. to stand out there mm -hmm. because and I didn't believe this but to stand out there because people will come and park a half an hour before and they won't even come in mm -hmm. and they'll just leave hmm. and so I think that's what you know we would yeah. love to be able to do is to stand in every parking lot of Brookings South Dakota and be able to say welcome in and let us mourn this loss of yours. Right. So. Donna in just the last couple minutes. Sure. What are any other final words of wisdom for any of our viewers out there about grief? Whether they're going through it or they want to go help someone with grief. Right. Uh, be patient with that person. Uh, the person who is grieving, they're different. And I think that's a big part of why maybe their support system isn't there like they thought it was going to be. We are never the same person after we've lost our loved ones. The good news is we are in control of who we become. Mm -hmm. So take your time. <clears throat> By all means, you talked about how it's natural for our body to slow down. Slow down. Our body mm -hmm. is very intelligent and it's telling us, take your time. Society's going to rush us, but we need to. You, you know, it's an interesting point you bring, you know, we're changing and, and you know, our loved one who died, they're changing still too. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, uh, I did more reading into this topic than I have for any of my shows before, because yeah. you know, how do you talk about grief, you know, yeah. and stuff. Yeah. But one thing that struck me was how, how even after someone dies, and with your experience with them and your memory with them, that can change. Because as you get older, you know, your perspective changes, mm -hmm. and then how you remember them, and, and being able to remember them in different ways or different. Uh, experiences and or like I've got a, a, a patient that had passed away and uh, they their plaque is downstairs in the newspaper Hall of Fame here uh, mm -hmm. for the the studio here and and I get to see them and say yeah. say hi to them every time right. I, I come up oh Absolutely. I love that saying hello yes yeah I mean and that's what we are learning to do we say goodbye to the body mm -hmm. yeah we say hello to the spirit and to the love that never right. ends. And I, yeah. I, I can never stop saying that because yeah. it's so beautiful that the grief work is about learning to say that hello, even if it's with tears. And, right. so, yeah. and yeah. we have to, I love it, we have to slow down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because, because all those people are torn apart. They're slowing, they're slowed down and everybody's rushing by mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. But I just wanna tell those people Slow Take down. Your time. Take your time. Absolutely. Well, the the Dr. Rickholm, who started this show, yeah, um, was the host for nearly two decades, yeah. and, and um, you know I think this fits with this 21st season now, where we're still grieving some. Oh yeah. And mm -hmm. and uh, and so the essay tonight is with uh, uh, Dr. Holmes' wife Joni, yeah. and who's been been carrying on the the. 
ministry, or for right. lack of a better word here, you know, to, yeah, to reach out legacy. across his legacy. Exactly. Absolutely. So the essay tonight is her sharing about grief next. So I think we'll end with that. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be right back after this. Miss an episode or looking for a specific topic? Head to our YouTube channel or website, prairiedoc.org, today to access all on call with the Prairie Doc episodes. And make sure to join us most Thursdays on SDPB and Facebook for new shows. Writing about grief is like writing about life. Huge. Where does one start? It is like describing love. Basically impossible. The comedian and late night host Stephen Colbert lost his father and two older brothers in a tragic accident when he was young. And he said about grief, it is a gift to exist. And with that gift comes suffering. If I am grateful for life, I must be grateful for all of it. I hope that grief stays with me because it is all the unexpressed love I didn't get to tell you. So even though grief may be difficult to describe, I'm working to do what Rick taught me, to share my grief publicly as he did his death. As I've sought to live with my grief, I have found tips and ideas that have helped. Not every tip will be pertinent to every person, so use your judgment as you address someone in grief. Talk about the one who has died. They are generally the grieving person's favorite subject. Contact the person in grief frequently. Loneliness can be consuming. Remember birthdays and anniversaries, which can be emotional triggers for the one grieving. Include the grieving person in activities. Sometimes getting away from the grief can be a relief. Offer to help a person in grief with household chores, as these tasks can become overwhelming. Better yet, just show up and help. Be aware that grief can be a roller coaster, high one day and low on another. Grief can be exhausting. Realize that a person in grief may need extra rest. Consider the vulnerability it takes for a grieving person to ask for help. The grieving person may suffer in silence rather than admit defeat. And last, for this incomplete list, grief has no right or wrong, and it has no timeline. Every individual is different. The songwriter Nick Cave said, it seems to me that if we love, we grieve. That's the deal, that's the pact. Grief and love are forever intertwined. Grief is the terrible reminder of the deaths of our love. And like love, grief is non-negotiable. Rick showed us courageously how to face death while honoring life with love and joy instead of dread. Now maybe those of us who grieve can see the shape of our love in our grief. The poet John Riddell wrote, your grief is a temple in your heart that honors that love. I hope that I continue to find wisdom in this grief as I continue my journey.
thank you to our guests, Donna Buman and Pastor Palo, for volunteering their time to help us learn more about coping with grief and loss. I hope this show was helpful for you. If you would like to see and hear more episodes of this program, please like and follow us on Facebook and YouTube, or visit us at prairiedoc.org, look for Prairie Doc Perspectives in your local newspaper and online, and be sure to look for the podcast of this program, Prairie Doc On Call, wherever you get your podcasts. From all of us here at On Call with the Prairie Doc, thanks for joining us for another episode of Health Information, Built on Science, and Built on Trust. Until next time, stay healthy out there, people. common cancer in the United States. Some are at higher risk of skin cancer than others, but anyone can get it. We review the different types and how they affect the body. Skin cancer, next time on Call with the Prairie Doc. Effective use of information is the foundation of modern public health practice. Hello, I'm Dr. Jennifer May of Rapid City, and I serve as a volunteer board member for the Healing Words Foundation, the 501c3 that supports the Prairie Doc Media. Prairie Doc programming is designed to improve health literacy, including improving knowledge which is conducive to individual and community health. Founded by Rick and Joni Holm, Prairie Docs and other medical professionals volunteer many hours every week to share information based on science built on trust. Thank you for following Prairie Doc Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and our YouTube channel. Plus, catch us most Thursday nights at 7 p.m. on SDPB. Because of your generous donations, all Prairie Doc programming is free and available to the public. If so inclined, make a donation today. Please help us continue this important work. Go to prairiedoc.org and click the donate button. Don't wanna donate online? Send us an email and our staff will send you a pledge card in the mail. Thank you for supporting the Prairie Doc, information based on science, built on trust. Major funding for On Call with the Prairie Doc has been provided by at Avera, our nationally recognized health system will be right here with you, with care and coverage. Hello, possibility. Hello, healthy. Larson Manufacturing is proud to support On Call with the Prairie Doc as it continues to open doors for important medical information. And with the ongoing support of these individuals and institutions. Brookings Health System, Ophthalmology Limited, South Dakota Academy of Family Physicians, Avera Heart Hospital, First Bank and Trust, Dakota Allergy and Asthma, Vance Thompson Vision, Monument Health. Black Hills Medical Society, Brookings, Madison, Flandreau District Medical Society, Peer District Medical Society, Sioux Falls District Medical Society, Yankton District Medical Society, Orthopedic Institute, Lake Ponset Sailing Academy, Aberdeen Asthma and Allergy, Dakota Bank, South Dakota American College of Physicians, and Swift Tell Communications.